Okay guys, Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Ministries, with another Jesus Rant podcast. This is episode 15, Consuming Fire. And we're still kind of on the subject of sin and hell. Uh, Hopefully after last week's kind of uh, game-changing podcast episode, we are starting to see things uh, really in a very different light, in a very different context, in a very different dynamic. So I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about what I don't believe things are. I want to really focus on what I do believe things are. So uh, Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 in the King James Version reads, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. In the New Living Translation, that same verse is rendered, Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And here's kind of all I really want to say, uh, mostly for that regard, is that if hell is a lake of fire that God throws bad people into in order to torment them eternally, how then could hell be cast into the lake of fire? That never made sense to me. I never understood that. And if we understand that hell or Hades or uh, whatever term you want to use, Gehenna, the place of the dead or the grave, uh, if, if death was cast into the lake of fire and the grave was cast into the lake of fire, that means that we don't need to deal with those things anymore. And if death is cast into the lake of fire, why wouldn't the grave be cast into the lake of fire? Because if death is gone, then a need for the grave is gone. And really that's what it says to me in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 26. Um, It reads, And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. But in the literal standard version of the Bible, it reads, The last enemy is done away with. Death. Death died when Jesus rose again, right? He laid his life down for us and he died on the cross. And then three days later, he rose again and totally and completely destroyed, defeated, uh, did away with, abolished death because death could not hold him down, right? We know that, uh, again, on my website, jesusrant.com, I do a daily rant every day. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a five-part series or maybe it was a 10-part series, it doesn't matter, about the three L's that I believe describe God the best, and it's light, life, and love. So if you think death could hold down life, then, uh, I, I, then I disagree with you. I think that uh, Jesus showed us this when, after laying his own life down, he took it back up again. He rose again from the dead. Death had no power over Jesus. Nobody killed Jesus. Nobody could kill Jesus. He gave up the ghost. He sacrificed himself. No, Death cannot defeat or conquer life. It just can't happen. Uh, another verse in the scripture, you know, it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is life and in him is no death at all, right? We can make that extrapolation. So, uh, so again, Death died when Jesus rose again. This is all talking about the cross. This is all talking about the finished work. This is all talking about 
um, not what God is going to do to us after we die, but what Jesus did for us because we were dead. And really, that's uh, the premise of the rest of my message for today, is that um, the consuming fire, and we're going to see in just a minute that the Bible describes God as a consuming fire. When we're talking about the lake of fire that death and hell were cast into, that's God. That's love. He defeated death and destroyed death because he loved us. When we're talking about the consuming fire, and, and really what we're talking about is being totally consumed by that fire, totally consumed by that love of God, that's when we see that uh, death has no hold on us. Fear of death has no hold on us. Fear of the afterlife has no hold on us. We don't have to worry about, uh, is there a cosmic elevator that if we're good, it takes us up, and if we're bad, it takes us down. We don't have to worry about those things. What we really need to concern ourselves with is enjoying the life that we have on this earth, enjoying it to the fullest, uh, experiencing the days of heaven on earth because the last enemy is done away with, death. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, in the King James Version, uh, we see, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And uh, to me, that's almost a direct linkage to what we saw in, uh, in the book of Revelation, where death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. O death, where is thy sting? It's in the lake of fire. It's in love. It's gone. O grave, where is thy victory? It's in the lake of fire. It's in love. It's gone. God is not... I don't think God is concerned with uh, so many of the things that we end up concerning ourselves with. And I think that's why, uh, in, in another place in the Bible, it tells us to cast our cares on Him because He cares for us. We don't have to worry about all these things, and especially all these things that God isn't worrying about. And I think that's a little bit of what I was trying to say when I was talking about our sin consciousness, is that sin is not an issue for God. He took care of it. He, he dealt with it. He took it away, put it as far away from the east as from the west, forgave it, um, destroyed the power of it, did everything that needed to happen so that we could stop dealing with it. And unfortunately, we still do deal with it a lot. And uh, that seems to be a lot of the, the focus of religious folk these days is always being on a sin hunt. Uh, and really, the part that is hard for me to understand about this is that like it, it's it almost seems to me like religious folk are looking for sin in your life in order to condemn you to hell but we know that the bible says that there's now no condemnation for him who is in christ jesus uh, god took away anything that could accuse you or condemn you so i never understood that the premise of sin gets you into hell and that's where you're punished forever. Okay, but God took away the sin of the world. He saved us by his grace. He turned sinners into saints. So even if that place existed, how would anybody get there? And then, of course, you know, people are like, well, well you have to accept Jesus. You have to say the, the, the magic get-out-of-jail-free words. But I don't agree with that either because it's not by works but it's by the grace of God. It's not by what we do, it's by what He did. And whether we know that He did it or not, doesn't matter. Whether we confess that He did it or not, doesn't mean that He didn't do it. If I don't know that somebody cut my grass, but my grass is cut, it's still cut. The truth is the truth, whether you know it or not. 
whether you confess it or not. What God did for us is so much more powerful uh, than anything that we could do for ourselves. And I don't believe that uh, we need to do anything in order to, um, I guess, activate it, I guess. I don't really know. A lot of uh, a lot of the theology that I think we've grown up with and just accepted really never made sense to me, which is probably why I uh, started my own ministry, because, you know, one, one time when I was preaching in a more traditional church, when I got done with my message, one of the associate pastors came up to me and shook my hand and said, now, some of that was real good preaching. And at that point, I, I kind of knew that, well, I, I don't really fit in here. Uh, I, I, I don't really... Uh, I don't really conform to the traditions of, uh, you know, traditional church. So hopefully if you're going on this ride with me, you're, you're maybe looking for something different. You're maybe looking not to be stuck in that old religious mindset of, you know, if, if you're bad, God's going to punish you. That's, God doesn't punish. He's, he's, he's not in the punishing game. He will chasten and correct, but that's totally and completely different. So... Let's talk about this, uh, this death of death, because to me, and, and we're going to see this here, here in some of the scriptures that I'm going to read, you have to get through the second death to get to eternal life. Like there was life, you know, Adam's life, and then there was death when Adam ate from the fig tree, the tree of death, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And, uh, and then there was that quote-unquote life that wasn't really much of life. And then Jesus came, and he drew us out of Adam and into himself, and he died on the cross, giving us the second death, so that we could not just have life as we knew it, but so that we could have his abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life. And we're going to see that very clearly in just a minute. But the first thing I want to do is I want to uh, kind of um, encourage us, I guess, a little bit with what it's with what the Bible says in Revelation chapter two, verse eleven. Again, in the King James version, it reads, "He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death." So the second death is not something we need to fear. And really, um, it's not something we have to do because it's something that happened 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross. The second death was Jesus' death, and again, it was the death of death. It moved us out of the realm of sin and death and into the realm of light and life and love. And that's... Uh, and, and I just want to say that uh, when, when it says, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death, that doesn't mean you have to overcome in order to not be hurt of it. Jesus is the one that overcame. We are overcomers because he overcame. Being an overcomer does not mean you might have the ability to overcome something if you try really hard. Being an overcomer means you overcame something. So we need to understand that we have to stop trying to overcome and we have to rest in the finished work of Jesus who overcame the world. And that's what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Um, it reads, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, it's this, it's this shift 
it's this uh, this new dimension that the cross moved us out of and into. On the cross, when Jesus was lifted up from the earth, he drew all men into himself. And he drew us out of Adam. He drew us out of that old realm, out of that old covenant, out of that old testament, out of that old dimension. And he drew us into himself. And he planted himself in us. See, when... when First, we were in Adam, if I can say it that way. So what Adam did affected all of humankind, all of humanity. When he ate from the tree of death and died, we all died. So what Jesus did is he, he came and he drew us out of death and into life. And that's what in the Message Bible, Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19 says, Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, Another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. So again, what we see here, and I wrote uh, a whole book about this called Identity Crisis, is in the eyes of God, there are only two men who have ever existed. Adam, the first Adam, and Jesus, the last Adam. And, uh, and when, when, when Adam said no to God and got us into all that trouble with sin and death, there was nothing we could do ourselves to get out of that trouble. That's why we needed a savior. So, uh, I guess if you want to kind of look at it like, okay, before the cross, I was a sinner and then Jesus came and saved me by grace, right? We hear that term a lot. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Okay. Well, if you were a sinner and then you got saved, you're not a sinner anymore. So we're moving out of that realm, we're moving out of Adam, we're moving out of death, and we're moving into life. So uh, just so we're absolutely, positively, perfectly clear about what we're talking about, as far as what this fire is, or who this fire is, Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 24 reads, The Lord your God is a devouring fire, he is a jealous God. And in the King James Version, it says consuming fire, which is which is why I used uh, that particular word for, for the title of the message. And then again, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, we see almost exactly the same thing. Uh, Hebrews reads, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire or again in the King James, a consuming fire. So when we're talking about fire in the Bible, I see Jesus. When we're talking about um, any kind of fire, and I have two more examples that I want to use before uh, I'm done tonight, but what we need to understand is that uh, the idea of hellfire is kind of extra biblical, I would say. It's not in the Bible. To talk about because if hell is the place of the dead what does that have to do with fire anyway and you know we saw when when we talked about afterlife that there was a great trash heap that was on fire that that burned and never stopped burning that uh but but that wasn't really punishment that was just where you were where things that that you threw you threw the garbage away and, and it burned up and was gone so I think we need to look at a lot of things very, very differently. 
And the thing I like about using these two different versions of the Bible to see either a consuming fire or a devouring fire is that what we have to understand when it comes to God being that consuming fire, uh, God being a jealous God, when, when, when you're totally consumed by God or by love, that means that everything is burnt away except that fire, except that love. So, and, and, and we're going to see that just in just a second when we read in the book of Exodus, how powerful and how important that is. But uh, I think it's the Amplified Bible who, when it's talking about the cross, talks about the messianic rebirth of the world. And to me, that's such a such an important phrase for us to understand. And, and you know, I give my mom credit for this a lot. Uh, she once told me, she said, if the either the cross changed everything or it didn't change anything. And I really, truly believe that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think if you're coming out of the old and into the new, then uh, everything becomes new. And, and, and you know, the Bible backs that up too, and it talks about how all things are become new, which means have become, are becoming, and will become. So what we need to understand when we're looking at this fire is we're not talking about something that uh, is meant to to punish you or torment you or hurt you. What the what the fire does is it purifies you, and that's what we see in First Peter, verse one, chapter. So I'm sorry, chapter one, verse seven. Uh, it reads: These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And by the way, uh, I've heard some, I guess, well, in my opinion, some, some kind of silly things about the idea of Jesus Christ being revealed to the whole world. I've heard people talk about how, like, now that we have uh, a World Wide Web or a global internet, that it would be possible for Jesus to reveal himself on every screen in the world all at the same time so that everybody in the world would uh, see him together and that he would be revealed to them. And uh, I don't know. I think that's I think that's kind of silly because there's a lot of people in the world who, who don't have access to screens, uh, you know, just, just on the face of it, just on the surface of it. And I'm not saying God can't use the internet to reveal himself because I, I do it every day. I use the internet to try to, to try to reveal God to people. Um, but to me, uh, the Jesus is revealed to, um, Jesus is revealed to people when Jesus is revealed through people. People see Jesus when they see you being Jesus, when they see the love of God flowing into you and out of you and through you. That to me is how uh, Jesus Christ will be revealed to the whole world is when all of his followers or all of his disciples uh, start, I don't want to say they start acting like him because that's not the goal. Uh, the goal is not to be a junior Jesus or to try to follow in his footsteps. Nobody can, nobody can follow in Jesus' footsteps. Nobody can live Jesus' life except Jesus. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's letting Jesus make his own footsteps in our feet. It's not acting like him. And, and, and you know, I've always said 
when that whole craze about the WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelets came out. Uh, I thought those were pretty cool, uh, kind of. I thought it was a good reminder. You know, anytime you can be reminded that there's a more excellent way, anytime that you can be reminded about Jesus in your life, I think is probably a good thing. But the problem that I had with it was, okay, so I'm in a situation and the first thing I have to do is I have to try to figure out what Jesus would do. And then I have to try to do that thing, which to me was just way too much trying. This quote-unquote Christian life, it's not about trying to be someone you're not. This quote-unquote Christian life is about embracing who you really are. It's a journey into the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is the heart. It's God's heart beating with love in our chests. It's not supposed to be try to figure out what to do and then try to do it. It's supposed to be natural. It's supposed to be our our new true nature, uh, which, you know, which we, again, we talked about in, in another one of these episodes about uh, all of the new things that, that came with the new covenant and the new testament and all of those things, our new name and our new nature, and uh, you know, all that, all that great stuff. Um, but we're not supposed to be trying to be someone we're not. That is not what the gospel is about. To me, uh, you know, as I read in the Message Bible, it said, here it is in a nutshell. To me, in a nutshell, the the ultimate truth of the universe, the Bible, boiled down to its very most basic, simple bottom line, or, you know, as my son says, top line, because you put the important stuff on the top, uh, the most basic, important, central gospel truth. If I could only tell one people if I could only tell people one thing about the Bible, excuse me, I would tell them, uh, God is love and he loves you. The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hand. If we start from that position and that posture that God is love and he loves you, if we start from that place of saying, he's not punishing me, he's purifying me. You know, they, 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 uh, there's an old saying that says, you never really know. Christian, it says, uh, what does it say? Christians are like tea bags. You never really know what's inside them until you put them in hot water. Because it's easy to say things. Uh, it's even easy to say that you believe things. But when the rubber meets the road, when you face adversity, when, when, uh, when you're in a trial or a tribulation, that's when who you really are comes out. That's when you show yourself for who you really are. Because we live from the inside out, even if we don't know it all the time, even if we don't understand it all the time, even if we don't accept it all the time, what's inside you will come out. Or or I guess more accurately, I should say, what you believe is inside you will come out. So when we're talking about uh, this verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, and we're talking about the trials will show that your faith is genuine. Listen, uh, I don't think God should be a break glass in case of emergency. I think he should be the central part of your life and included in every single thing that you do. Uh, I, you know, I, the Bible says in another place, uh, it talks about, you know, giving your plans to the Lord and, and he will make them come to pass, you know, different things of that nature. Letting his word, which is Jesus, which is love, be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Um, 
basically it's what Jesus said when he talked about, in this world you will have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And again, that's how I know that he is the overcomer. That's how I know that he was the one who was not hurt by the second death. And that by us embracing his death as our death, his death as our second death, then we're not hurt by it either. We don't have to be scared of it. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, we know it's in our past anyway, and we've moved out of that death and into life. And again, you know, I, I, try, I, I talk about this all the time because I think it makes perfect sense to me, is that uh, I believe it was John who wrote, wrote about, um, he said, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love. And to me, that's, that's about as simple as it gets. You know, no love, N-O, no, if you don't have any love, no love, no life. But if you know love, K-N-O-W, you can know life. Because to live is to love, and to love is to live. They're not just connected, they're the same thing. So, uh, again, it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. And how can you prove that you have faith in God if you never have to prove that you have faith in God, right? Like it's like, uh, and 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 really that was the whole premise behind the story of Job, where uh, the accuser was like, "Hey man, this guy, yeah, he 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 really says he loves you, but he, you've given him everything. He, he's never he's never had reason not to love you. So you know you know the story. They they systematically took away everything that Job had, just waiting for him to turn on God and curse God, and and he never did. Job never did. He he proved his faith in the midst of his trials. But again, you know, it's it's just that victim mentality that I see so often all over the place where anytime anybody is inconvenienced by anything, they just throw a fit and they kick and they scream. And it's it's like nobody understands anymore that adversity builds character. It's like nobody understands anymore that uh, sometimes there are mountains in your path so you can learn how to climb, Right? Sometimes you have to go through things in order to learn and grow. And once you've gone through it, then you can turn around and help somebody else who is going through it. Because we go through, we all go through the same things. And what uh, my uncle once told me that life is 10% about what happens to you and 90% about how you react to it. If you look for the lesson in things, because I believe, uh, and, and I mean, listen, I've, I've had a lot of times in my life where I did not like what was happening. I did not like what was going on. It did not feel good. It was not fun. Uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot of times in my life when I straight up wasn't having a good time. But what I learned from that is that everything in your life can be boiled down into one of two categories. It's either a lesson or a blessing. And when you see things that way, when you can take the lesson from it or enjoy the blessing from it, then uh, no matter what happens to you, you won't always be on this, you know, emotional roller coaster. You won't, uh, when good times come, you'll be able to enjoy them without getting, you know, too too high. And when when uh, things that don't feel good come, you, you can withstand them without getting too low. And you can kind of find that balance and that equilibrium. You can find that place where your your gold is being purified by the fire. And again, 
when we understand that the fire is God and the fire is love, we know that all things work together for our good. We know that it may not look good, it may not feel good, but it's working together for our good. And if it's working together for our good, then in the long run, it's good. And we don't have to always say good and evil. We don't always have to say black and white. There are some times that you absolutely should make that distinction because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But when, like when I'm talking about, uh, I think so many times when we think somebody's out to get us, we're probably really more just collateral damage. We're probably really more just like they didn't even know that what they were doing was going to affect us in a negative way. I think that people, for the most part, are super selfish and self-centered and are just trying to get from the start of their day to the end of their day. And if they have to roll over somebody else to do it, I don't think they really think uh, twice about that a lot of the time. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily how it should be. And I think that those of us who know better can do better. But what I'm saying is don't take it personally, even if it is. You don't have to let... You can check yourself before you let somebody wreck yourself. Let me say it that way. Uh, and, and then it goes on. And again, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. If you can, uh, there's another old saying, how's it go? If you can keep your cool when everybody else is losing theirs, you're way ahead of the game. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the mob mentality or we let other people affect us. I've always said for a long time that especially as believers, especially as people who know the love of God, we need to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. We need to set the temperature in the room instead of just taking the temperature in the room. And that's what kind of what we're going to see in our last story for, for this week's episode. But first, I want to talk about Moses, and I want to talk about the burning bush, just, just for a second, because there, I think there's a very important um, principle here, a very important truth here that, that I want to talk to when we're talking about the consuming fire. And it's in Exodus chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. This is the King James Version again. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Think about it. My man was in the desert, all right? If you've ever been in the desert, you know it's hot in the desert. Sometimes it would get so hot that a bush would light on fire, get you know, just just from the sun, just from the heat. That wasn't out of place. That wasn't that wasn't anything to get excited about. That wasn't something that you would say, oh man, there's a burning bush, because it was commonplace. It wasn't a big deal. What was a big deal was that the bush was burning, but was not consumed. That was important. That made Moses think twice and stand up and say, what is happening over here? What's going on? This fire is different. There's something um, supernatural about this fire. I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go see what's happening here. And I think that that is such an important principle that we understand 
that when the fire that is God, the fire that is love, when it burns and when it consumes, it consumes everything else except itself. So that the fire, which never dies, which is love, when it consumes everything else, it leaves only itself. It leaves only love. Love burns and burns and burns like a Holy Ghost wildfire, and it consumes everything else until there's nothing left but that fire, until there's nothing left but love. And again, that's what it means to be purified. It gets rid of all the imperfections. The fire burns out everything that is not needed. Jesus uh, told a story about, you know, when uh, when he was talking about trees, and he said, you know, the, the ones that don't bear fruit will be cast into the fire. And that, again, that can sound harsh. You can make anything sound like anything in the Bible, pretty much, really. Um, which is why I always try to filter it, you know, through through the lens of love. I always try to look at the Bible cross-eyed in, in light of the cross, in light of the, the finished work of the cross. Um, I don't see God saying, oh, you're a good tree, so I'm not going to burn you. You're a bad tree, so you got to go. I see it more as if there's something that doesn't belong, love can burn that away. When Jesus talked about, you know, heaping, I don't know if it was Jesus, it might have been one of the New Testament writers, when they talked about heaping fiery coals on top of somebody's head, I don't think that that meant to burn them. I think that meant to love them and to melt their heart. I think when you really, really, really love somebody and you lay your life down for them and you give them everything that you have and everything that you are, it's really hard for that person that you're really heaping those fiery coals onto. It's really hard for that person to ignore that or to deny that or to reject that because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to feel special and feel loved. So, uh, you know, it's like Jesus told another story that, that I, I don't know if I should even open up right here because uh, I'm not really going to get into it. I just want to touch it where he talked about, you know, uh, there was a guy in, in Abraham's bosom and then there was another guy who was burning in the fire and he wanted, a, a you know, a, just a just a taste of cool water. And I think a lot of times that's how people feel uh, about love, like like we feel like we're so unloved and so unlovable that we feel like we're burning and 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 we're we're so uh you know we just need just just a tiny little bit just a drip of water the smallest amount of love would really make such a huge difference in our lives and unfortunately there are people you know there are people out there who will take advantage of that and who will pretend to use quote unquote love in order to get what they want from from those desperate people but again, uh, you've heard me say it many times, if, if your goal or your motivation is to get something from somebody, that's not love. Love is never about getting, because love is giving. So uh, I hit the part about not being consumed, or the bush not being burned. Uh, and I want to end on, and again, I'm gonna, I, I plan on doing a whole episode about the three Hebrew boys and the fiery furnace, but I didn't think I could, you know, do a, do a do an episode about the consuming fire without talking about it. So I just want to read two verses of it. Daniel chapter 3 verses 24 and 25. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, 
Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. And in the King James Version, the very end of that passage is rendered, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Of course it is. Nebuchadnezzar threw three men into the fire to punish them, to burn them alive, to basically, uh, basically that's a, a, a picture of what a lot of people think hell is. God, being played by Nebuchadnezzar, throwing bad guys, being played by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, get thrown into fire as punishment for disobedience, right? That's basically what people think hell is all about. God throws you in the lake of fire if you don't do what he says. Whew, that does not sound like love to me, and that does not sound like the God who is love. But even if you find yourself in that situation where you are being cast into fire, not to be purified, but to be destroyed, guess what happens? Three men go in and four men end up in there. Why? Because Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He's always there with us. And when you're thrown into the fire, of course Jesus is in there because he is the fire. God is a consuming fire. And look what happened. They did not get burned, but they were unbound. Their bondage got burned off of them. When you're purified with that love, you're no longer in bondage to sin and death, right? The Bible, a lot of the time when the Bible talks about sin and death, it talks about bondage. And the three Hebrew boys were bound with ropes when they were thrown into the fire. They didn't get burned, but the ropes did. The things that were holding them down, the things that were binding them from being free, that's what the fire consumed. The, uh, the, the men were not consumed. So if the bush burns and it burns everything that is not itself, and the only thing that is not consumed is the bush itself, then we have to understand that, yup, he is the vine and we are the branches. It's not, uh, it's not God plus us, it's God in us. And that's what we saw when, when I read the verse about how we are crucified with him. His death was our death. We've already experienced the second death. Now I live, but not me but Christ lives in me. So if if one person had been thrown in there, there would have been two people in there because Jesus, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He lives in us. He's always with us no matter what. Um, and that fire is not harming us. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. The fire is not for your destruction. It's for your purification. The things that happen to you in your life are not to beat you down and hurt you and destroy you. The things that happen in your life are to uh, mold you and, and, and strengthen you uh, to show that your faith is genuine. And, and the way that you show that your faith is genuine is by using your faith, by exercising your faith. Faith is like a muscle. When you use it, it grows. And when, when listen, I said God's not... God shouldn't be a break glass in case of emergency, but he is, right? If you have an emergency, break that glass. If you're being tested, cling to him. And the best part is, is uh, you know, there, there, there's a worldly saying that says, if you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. And I like that because I think you can always give a little bit more. 
Um, now, having said that, I also believe that once you've once you've given what you've got, it's either enough or it's not. But what I'm trying to say here is, what we need to understand is when when we think we're hanging on to God, really what's happening is He's hanging on to us, and He's not going to let go. So, uh, hopefully, what we've seen in the last I guess about a month now, yeah, this is we kind of did two on sin and and now kind of two on hell. Um, hopefully we can see a different way to think about things, a different way to look about things. Hopefully by this point we can set aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Hopefully by this point we can stop worrying so much about what happens after I die and we can start focusing on, well, what's happening now when I'm alive? I don't have to fear the fire because God is the fire. I don't have to I don't have to fear being harmed by it because really I'm being purified from it. The fire is consuming everything but itself. The love in me is filling me up and emptying out everything that doesn't fit and doesn't belong until there's only love left. And I think that that is uh, really God's plan and always has been is to show us who we really are by showing us who he really is by revealing himself to the whole world. And when God reveals himself to you, that's when he starts to reveal himself through you. And then you reveal God or Jesus to others, not by saying, not by saying the word Jesus, not by shoving Jesus down people's throats and making them choke on him and, and vomit him up and run away screaming from him. That's not how you show people Jesus. You show people Jesus by loving them. That's who he is. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. We reveal Jesus to the world when we reveal love to the world. We reveal love to the world when we give the love that was given to us by God to each other. It's all about God and people. Loving God and loving people. Loving God by loving people. And that's what the fire does. The fire gets rid of anything else that isn't love. It's not for punishing. It's for purifying. So that's what I had to say for this week. As always, thank you guys so much for all the support. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to, uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.